Welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries podcast, where we strive to provide great preaching and teaching so that listeners will discover or rediscover the goodness, truth, and beauty of our Catholic faith. If you are interested in supporting the work we are doing, visit us at drybonespgh.org or follow us on social media at drybonespgh. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you are inspired, uplifted, and encouraged. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Dry Bones Ministries special podcast series on the Litany of Trust. My name is Father Adam Potter, and I'm a priest of the Diocese of Pittsburgh, and I'm so excited to journey with you for the next 30 days or so, working through what I believe can be one of the most transformative journeys of our spiritual lives. And that's not just an attention attention grabber or something to like, I don't know, sell subscriptions. I, I really believe this. We're about to dive into the core of our spiritual lives, and that is trust that has everything to do with relationship, relationship with ourselves, relationship with one another, and most profoundly, our relationship with God. And uh, this book that has been presented to me that I've stumbled across has uh, really captured my heart and attention and would love to bring as many people to come to fall more in love with Jesus by trusting in him more by going on this journey of the heart to really discover where the Lord's inviting us to deeper and deeper trust. So thank you for being here. Thank you for, um, yeah, even just out of curiosity or, uh, I don't know, a dare, a bet, an invitation uh, to come and click on this first episode. I wanted to start off this first episode with both an introduction and uh, then uh, jumping in to our, our first day. I was thinking about making this two episodes and then I realized I'm a procrastinator and we're putting it all into one. So this episode will be a little bit, uh, a little bit longer as we kind of set the groundwork and then dive into our first day. So first of all, an introduction. Um, trust has been an ongoing journey for me, of course, right? Uh, I like to say, you know, in terms of asking God for different things, different virtues, have you ever asked God for humility? Lord, give me greater humility so I can get rid of this pride, right? It's like, watch out, (laughs) asking, asking the Lord for humility. What does he do? He doesn't just infuse us with this magical virtue of humility. He gives us opportunities to be humiliated and I mean humbled <laughs> so that we can uh, come to die to ourselves and and really see ourselves in the truth of who we are. How about courage? Have you ever asked God for courage? Watch out because <laughs> he doesn't just infuse us with this greater strength and resolve. It. He gives us opportunities to be courageous, puts us in the face of fear so that we can overcome it, overcome fear with faith. How about trust? Have you ever asked God for trust? The image, right, in my in my mind, right, it's like, watch out. What does God do? He doesn't just give us opportunities to trust. And as I've kind of seen it in my own life, it's like he pulls us out, gives us an opportunity to come to this edge of the cliff where if I'm not only grasping onto him, I'm going to fall off off the side here, right? It's really trust gets to the very core of, am I holding on to the Lord or am I holding on to anything else? And 
to pray for trust is to really be kind of thrown out there so that I can see, oh, what am I actually relying on? Is it myself or is it the world or is it him and his grace? So a little while back, um, I was doing a Bible study at the parish that I'm at right now and someone brought up how this one novena was really changing their life and it was called the surrender novena. Maybe you've heard of it. And this Father uh, Dolindo Rotolo was for a little while the spiritual director of Padre Pio and he had Jesus come to him and talk to him about surrender, right? Surrender. We hear that all the time, but it's like, what does that mean? And in these beautiful revelations of Jesus to Don Dolindo, Jesus revealed really what surrender is all about, giving like great insights. And the one thing that you pray each of these nine days during the novena is this prayer 10 times. Oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. And it's especially that last part the take care of everything that in my mind was like, oh, that's it. That's surrender. That's the, how often I can say, no, Lord, I surrender myself to you. And yet, meanwhile, I go out ahead and try and fix it or try and prepare it or try and have it work out the way that I want it to without really letting the Lord have space to take care of it, to work. And it's not just an excuse to be passive, but it's a real invitation to cling to him. So I can't tell you how uh, that novena has just become a repetition of my life, uh, going from day nine back to day one and some really humbling moments where I've just felt so poor, so helpless, and at different points just found those prayers on my lips. Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. And boom, like it works out. I don't, I don't know. Not always the way that I want it to, but he seems to work it out. And um, so the Lord has me on this journey, and I'd love to journey with you. As I was reading the preface of this book, Jesus, I Trust in You, Sister Faustina Maria Pia has really a beautiful heart that she wants to share with us. And in the preface, she kind of shares the story of kind of her own moment of coming to this place in her life. I think she was in college where she was just like totally overwhelmed, totally stressed, totally like brought to that cliff, so to speak, where she just realized, I can't keep clinging to the world or relying on myself. And she said that she really experienced that she was looking upon the crucifix, that she had this experience of Jesus almost lifting up her chin so that she could look directly at him. And Jesus said, I don't want you to give your yes to a set of circumstances, but to me. That's it, right? That's it. That's what, that's what I hear in like, in terms of trust, right? I don't want you to give your yes to a set of circumstances. No, no, no. Yes, Jesus, I'll trust in you. Yes, Jesus, I'll love you. Yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. As long as like these things work out or as long as it's not too painful or as long as it doesn't cost too much or as long as I don't have to lose my reputation or as, as long as I don't, right? And we have these kind of different things and that Jesus would allow us to come to be stretched and challenged so that we can really give our yes, our fiat, our hearts to him and not just to, oh, everything will be nice and comfortable and uh, you'll have everything you want. 
No, that's not our, our, that's not our God. He wants more than that. He wants us exclusively, and he won't be satisfied with just a piece of our hearts. So what's my role in this journey? Well, each day I'm uh, hoping to journey with you, and maybe more than just a gym buddy. If you know what a gym buddy is, right? Sometimes uh, we can find it hard to find motivation to go to the gym. But if I know someone else is going too, then it's helpful. We have that motivation, that incentive to not let the other person down. So uh, I'd like to be a little more than that. But if that's helpful enough that every single day, uh, I guess six days a week, I'll be releasing a different podcast episode that uh, I'll hopefully be able to um, invite you to really stay faithful to going through and making time each day for this, uh, this time in prayer, that it can really be a retreat, that we can ask the Holy Spirit to lead us through these different petitions that Sister Faustina, uh, whenever she was inspired to really give her yes to Jesus and not just to the circumstances, wrote this beautiful litany of trust. Um, the Lord's put on my heart that more than just accompanying you or like, I don't know, inviting you to be faithful every single day. I'd really like to, to lead you to this face of Jesus, to lead you in, in whatever way that I can. And I, to be completely honest, I feel very humbled and inadequate in this job, in this role that, um, yeah, again, here's my own like vulnerability. I need to trust in the Lord that this won't be about me, but this will just be about the Lord. This, is, this will just be about the Holy Spirit working through me to be able to uh, speak to you. But this whole litany, this whole concept of trust, it has to be about Jesus. It has to be about encountering his goodness, his love, his generosity, his gr- gratuity um, in a way that can break the chains, that can set me free to really trust him and to to deliver me from all those fears and hangups that that keep my heart from completely trusting in him. So hopefully that makes sense. What's your role? Um, Your role is to, every single day, take some time to do this reading prayerfully um, and then to uh, listen, hopefully, to the podcast if you find this helpful. If you don't find this helpful, I will not be offended, but to take the time going through the book and um and then yeah i can kind of process some of the things with you point out some of the things that's jumped out to me and hopefully make those a little bit more digestible and then at the end of this podcast we will pray the litany together i think for you to get the most out of it that you can take some time at the end of each day there are these invitations that sister faustina gives us and that you can find what works best for you. If you're a journaler, then you can take some time to journal. If you're an external processor, that maybe you can find a buddy yourself that you can talk to and kind of work through some of these things externally. Uh, if it's just about prayer, some time of silence, give yourself some extra time just to really sit with it and chew on it with the Lord. Um, so that you know, at the very end of this, I'd love to make sort of a, a consecration, uh, an entrustment of ourselves to the Lord um, in a way that at the very end of these 30 days, 
we can just be intentional about and really desiring for the Lord to, by the power of his Holy Spirit, to set us free um, in ways that we've been praying for these entire 30 days and that we could treat it kind of as we would uh, pursuing an an indulgence, that at the very end we would find a, a mass that we can attend, we can prepare for it by making a good confession, we can pray for the intentions of our Holy Father, and then after the mass we can go maybe to a special side altar or maybe to an image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and pray this litany once again, that after 30 days will be super familiar to us and really ask the Lord to uh, give us that grace, that grace to trust, that grace to be vulnerable, that grace to fully surrender. Um, great. So one last thought about the, the introduction is maybe just this, maybe just like one more kind of proposal about why is trust so important? Well, on page six, I think Sister Faustina really says it, that basically trust is so important. It's so essential because you and I are made for infinite love. We're made for infinite love, both to receive that love from our Heavenly Father, from God, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we're also made to give that love back to Him, but then also to everyone that we come in contact with. But the reality is, because we're made for infinite love, and to love, we actually need to be vulnerable. But to be vulnerable, we actually need trust, right? So trust is at the the very heart of being able to be vulnerable. Vulnerable means uh, to open up our, our hearts, to let someone in, to take that risk, to take that leap um, with another person. Vulnerable actually comes from the Latin word Volnus, which means wound, right? Which is amazing just to think about that, that vulnerability is I allow myself to be wounded by another person. And it's in that openness, that vulnerability, that opening myself up that I can experience, receive, and give this love that we're made for. So this is everything. But of course, right, very quickly, this gets into this reality of well, what if I've been hurt? What if, what if it's hard for me? What if, um, I, what if I don't trust because I've had my expectations shattered or I've tried this before and I've been disappointed, let down, or really taken advantage of? She asked this question, can trust once broken be restored? That's a great question. That is a great question for us really to ask the Lord uh, to reveal that to our hearts. Like, is that a question that, that we have? Um, I think so many of us, just because we live in this fallen world, have experienced being hurt, being let down, being used. And therefore, most of us have have experienced the temptation then to just close ourselves off, to just harden our hearts and just never put ourselves in another situation where we could ever be taken advantage of or used or hurt again. And so here's the thing. That's where this fear comes in, this fear that um, in the end up, in, in the end, right, paradoxically, is stifling the very thing that we most desire, love. So ultimately, we need to know that trust once broken 
can be restored, but only through Jesus and only through his mercy. And I think that's the journey. I think that's what this book, this retreat, this litany is all about, this being able to restore this trust, being able to experience the healing of Jesus to really set us free. Does that make sense? Good. Well, that maybe we can just um, dive into this first day. This first day starts off with, gosh, a challenging petition. We don't we don't get to slide into this litany with a softball. But here's the first litany, the uh, first petition that we pray. From the belief that I have to earn your love, deliver me, Jesus. From the belief that I have to earn your love, deliver me, Jesus. Okay, so this very quickly, uh, it's just so difficult. Why? Why is this so difficult? It's difficult because we live in our society right now where everything is earned, right? This is just at the very heart of capitalism, this capitalistic mentality that the more hours that I work, the more that I'll get paid, um, the harder that I study, the better grades that I'll get, the harder I practice, the more gym time I'll get or the playing time I'll get or the greater um, show time that I'll get, whatever it is, right? The more that we put into it, the more that we get out of it. And that's not a false principle, right? There's truth to it. It's even biblical that we reap what we sow. And yet there's another reality when it comes to our relationship with God because we are creatures and God is infinitely higher than us in the realm of being, right? As he is perfect in who he is, that for us to be in a relationship with him is one that we don't deserve. We can't earn. We can't merit. There's nothing that that we could ever do to prove that we deserve this relationship with him. And that can be really hard given the the context of our society that we live in. Uh, Just by reference, I think most people would agree with me. One of the most frustrating parables in the gospels is found in Matthew chapter 20, where if you remember, there's the master of the vineyard who calls different workers in to labor in the vineyard at different hours throughout the day. And even though some men worked all day long in the heat of the day, They all get paid the exact amount, one day's wage that they all agreed to at the very beginning, even those who came at the very end of the day. Most of us hear this and we're like, ah, that is so wrong. That is so unjust. Like who, who would come in at the very end and get the same? That's the worst. Um, Because I think we all have ingrained in us this sense of justice that is all about us and how much we can do and perform, produce. And we miss the fact that it's not about us when it comes to our relationship with God. It's about him, right? That we would really appreciate this master of the vineyard who tirelessly goes throughout the day to invite, invite more and more people into the vineyard to come to work, to come to have this relationship with him, right? What's the parable about? It's a parable for eternal life, and none of us deserve it or could ever merit it, but it's about him, the Lord, the master of the vineyard, who by his own generosity would open up his vineyard to you and me 
to be worked. So it's a free gift, right? It's a free gift. Um, and that can be, that can be really hard for us. That could, but I guess maybe the, like, it's just worth saying that's okay. That's okay. Just to like recognize, um, that that's going to be a, a tension whenever we, we come to this. And maybe this one challenge takes the whole 30 days, right? And that's still worth it, right? That would be worth it to really come to wrestle with this struggle, this concept that at the very end, God's love is a free gift. It's a free gift in that no matter how much you or I could ever work for it or try to show how much we deserve it, it's still a free gift, freely given. She gives the example of Solanus Casey, and he just has a beautiful life. If you uh, want to be inspired, definitely look um, look him up, look his story either yeah, online or there are some great YouTube videos, some documentaries that can show you. I found it funny, though, that even in the way that she describes Solanus Casey, you could still see how uh, even with his with his life, there's still some ways that she describes how he poured all he had into his studies or after long, grueling years of work and sacrifice. And she kind of goes on in these different examples. You could almost imagine that Solanus would be tempted to think that when he finally arrived at God, blessing him and working miracles through him, that it was because of his effort. Right, do you get this? So she wants to use him as an example to show how he really exemplifies not believing that he has to earn God's love. And yet, just based on our society and how ingrained we are, you could see how maybe he would be tempted to think that it was because of his effort. But then she has this line. This is on page 10 of the book. He was not concerned about what he was doing for the Lord, but solely that the but solely that he belonged to the Lord who loved him unconditionally. Okay, that's th- that's the like insight I think from his story or at least one big secret to accepting this reality that we don't need to earn God's love is obedience. Obedience, right? Obedience is in itself this entrustment that I submit, I entrust myself, my own will, my own uh, vision of what's right, what's wrong to a higher authority, to God in this case, that he would be the one to know what is the perfect will, what is the perfect plan, and that I would give myself over to that. Right, so Solanus was able to realize this as he was just obedient to, I'm going to work the doors and I'm going to welcome people and I'd love to be doing something else or I think I could be more effective over here. And yet this is where his superior wanted him. And obeying his superior, he was obeying God. And that, it's, it, um, Sister Faustina says, is what enabled him to trust that his yes to the Lord was enough. So what a good thing for us, right? In terms of us being obedient, obedient to what the Lord asks us uh, to do, especially through the Holy Church and these different precepts of how we're called to be faithful and obedient to all different small things. Uh, for already in our vocation, that that too, thinking about myself as a priest, right? Um, 
not thinking about what I can do or what I can offer, but how's the bishop, how's my pastor asking me to serve? And can I give my yes to that? If you're married, right? There you go. Like, what's the expectation of your spouse that I can serve serve them as I know the Lord is calling me to? Same thing with children, uh, grandchildren, to be able to really be faithful to those things. Um, and in that, there's a real trust in the Lord. But I'm not doing this to earn it out of my own creativity, but really out of a trusting obedience. Um, that this is your design and this is your will. So some good questions that she asks um, around page 11. So how do we look at God's love for us? How many of us have projected this mentality onto God, um, this idea of earning or meriting his love, where he can only love us if fill in the blank, where he can only love me if I'm this at this place in the spiritual life, or if I get over this bad habit, or if I have these relationships, or if I find that I find my vocation, or if, right, fill in the blank. Do we do that at all? Most of us do this all the time. But how did I become the judge of what God loves? I do remember a story of a woman who had been living a promiscuous promiscuous lifestyle. And then suddenly she found herself in adoration. And she couldn't have felt more uncomfortable. And she felt so ashamed and so unworthy to be there in God's presence. She actually described that she was like hiding behind one of the chairs in the back of the chapel that she had kind of been dragged into. And um, she just like couldn't even raise her head up to look at our Lord who in adoration, right, is exposed. The Eucharist is exposed in this beautiful monstrance. But what she experienced there is she was there in her shame she experienced that God didn't go anywhere, that God's presence continued to, to be there, that God didn't run, God didn't shame. He also didn't approve either. And there was this like healing moment where all of a sudden in her own shame and her own feeling so unworthy um, to be able to be there, right? Maybe you could say like from the belief that I have to earn your love that she could be having in her in her mind like, no, no, no. Jesus, you can only love me if I don't live this lifestyle. You can only love me if I've gone to confession or if I've gotten over this, whatever it is. And to really have this healing moment of God's infinite love actually not depending on her. Now, of course, there's some caveats to that, that her ability to receive that love is dependent upon her disposition, her state of grace, etc. And yet still, right, objectively speaking, the love that Jesus has for her, again, isn't dependent upon her. He's the sun that uh, continues to shine on the good and the wicked alike. So those are good healing moments. Have you ever had a, a moment like that? I think for what I've experienced, it's, it's in those moments of poverty, right? And not maybe not material poverty, but spiritual poverty, where I just have nothing to offer, or I've, I feel so far, so distant. And it's in those moments, whenever I then present myself to the Lord, that I'm able to ask Jesus to deliver me from that belief that I have to earn his love. So 
we'll stop there. I invite you to, um, yeah, definitely. If you've never prayed through the the story of the prodigal son, that would be a great one to to spend some time with how both of the sons really struggle to accept the who the father is and his free gift of this relationship with him. But only the younger son in his moment of poverty is able to allow himself to fall into the arms of our heavenly father. Just to trust that even in his shame, even in the ways that he uh, was prodigal, right? The loose living, the giving all of his belongings away, that although the father would be disappointed his love was unconditional. His love was unchanging. And and that's the father that we have. So let's turn um, to our litany of trust. It's in the very back of the book on page 195. And to have that visual of the divine mercy and just that face of Jesus that no matter where we're at in our own journey, that he might really lift up our, our heads to cast our gaze onto him, to see his face, to see his constant, unfailing, unwavering, unchanging, merciful love for each and every one of us, and really pray from the depths of our hearts. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. From the belief that I have to earn your love, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that I am unlovable, deliver me, Jesus. From the false security that I have what it takes, Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that trusting you will leave me more destitute, deliver me, Jesus. From all suspicion of your words and promises, deliver me, Jesus. From the rebellion against childlike dependency on you, deliver me, Jesus. From refusals and reluctances in accepting your will, deliver me, Jesus. From anxiety about the future, deliver me, Jesus. From resentment or excessive preoccupation with the past, deliver me, Jesus. From restless self-seeking in the present moment, deliver me, Jesus. From disbelief in your love and presence, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being asked to give more than I have, deliver me, Jesus. From the belief that my life has no meaning or worth, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of what love demands, deliver me, Jesus. From discouragement, deliver me, Jesus. That you are continually holding me, sustaining me, loving me. Jesus, I trust in you. That your love goes deeper than my sins and failings and transforms me. Jesus, I trust in you. That not knowing what tomorrow brings is an invitation to lean on you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are with me in my suffering. Jesus, I trust in you that my suffering united to your own will bear fruit in this life and the next. Jesus, I trust in you, that you will not leave me orphan, that you are present in your church. Jesus, I trust in you, that your plan is better than anything else. Jesus, I trust in you, that you always hear me and in your goodness always respond to me. Jesus, I trust in you, that you give me the grace to accept forgiveness and to forgive others. Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me all the strength I need for what is asked. Jesus, I trust in you. That my life is a gift. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will teach me to trust you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are my Lord and my God. Jesus, I trust in you. That I am your beloved one. 
Jesus, I trust in you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us to learn about Dry Bones Ministries events and initiatives. And to support this podcast, go to drybonespgh.org. Thanks, and God bless you.